Thank you for listening to Sozo Church in Spokane, Washington. For more information on Sozo Church, visit sozospokane.com. Good morning, Sozo. How's everybody doing this morning? It's way too warm outside for you to be that cold right now. How's everybody doing this morning? Amen. It's good to have you here. My name is Mark. Uh, my wife and I serve as the lead pastors here. We are honored, grateful, excited that you guys decided to come and hang out with us this morning or to tune in on the internet. That's still weird to me. Um, uh, but it's, it's good to have you. It's good to be together. We are in a series, you can probably guess it from that video, uh, through the Gospel of John. We've been making our way through this, um, and uh, we've, we've reached John 17. It's my goal to try to uh, get through John 17 before the summer, uh, and, and I think we're on a good track to do that. Uh, total transparency this morning. I, I, I had something specific on my heart that I feel like uh, from John 17 uh, I need to get, but as I was thinking and praying and preparing for this morning, I realized there, I have a sense that there may be one piece missing before we can get to that next piece. If you've ever kind of put something together, if, you, if you're into you know, Lego building blocks, anybody? Anybody? Am I just the only nerd here? Um, love Lego. And, uh, and uh, if you've ever been putting something together and you sort of realize as you're kind of getting the next step, things aren't kind of fitting together right, you realize, oh, I, I, uh, <laughs> I missed a step. Maybe I should look at instructions. Instructions are for uncreative people, and uh, maybe I need them. And so I, I sort of recognize that there, there's an issue here. So, so what I want to do, if you'd let me, is, is just kind of uh, lay something out that we're not going to unpack this week so that you can understand why we're going to unpack what we unpacked this week. Cool? All right, good. Um, I'll take your blank stares as like super excitement, and we're just really pumped about this. Awesome. Um, let, let, me, let me say this. Maybe this will help us kind of get started. A diminished view of the gospel leads to a diminished view of your salvation. The, the smaller we think the gospel is, the less we think it accomplishes, the less we think our salvation has been achieved. And I say that because when I hear people talk about salvation, if I'm going to be honest, and, and I'm not judging anybody, it's, I did this for years, bro, I preached this for years. It's very one-dimensional. It's very one aspect of it. And, and, and here's the problem. Within, within the, the big C church, the, the, the church global, right, some camps sort of want to focus on one aspect of, of salvation and others want to focus on another. And because we have siloed ourselves away from one another, we miss the grand and full and beautiful and glorious picture that our salvation really is. So I, I, want to, I want to just throw this out. Again, I, I don't have time to unpack this this week. In the future, we will get to this. But today, I just want us to understand one thing, and that is salvation, I, I would say, at, its, at the bare minimum complexity for it to really be understood as salvation is comprised of redemption, reconciliation, and restoration. And, and you can even hear that, right? Some, some, if you grew up in certain churches, they just used one of those words for salvation. Well, we've been redeemed. Look, I'm super excited that I've been redeemed, and I hope you're excited that you've been redeemed, and if you're not, I hope you discover redemption here today. Others will focus on our reconciliation, others on our restoration. Let me just, I don't have time to unpack this, but just so we understand terms here. Redemption is our deliverance from sin. You have been redeemed from, the, 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 from sin. If you want a great book on this, uh, uh, A.W. Pink's book, A Fourfold Salvation. You've been delivered from the penalty, from the pleasure, from the power, and from the presence of sin. Come on, somebody. That's redemption. Reconciliation is our deliverance to God. So we're not just set free to just sort of roam around, but we're set free in order that we might be brought into an abiding, intimate relationship with God. And restoration is the deliverance of our purpose. 
So, so not only are we, are we released from sin and brought back into, into intimacy with the Lord, but he gives back to us all that was forfeited by us and by those that came before us. But here's why I needed to get to this today. I want to say that I believe, as we look at these three, reconciliation, our deliverance to God, is really the key to understanding both of the aspects that go before it and come after it. If you miss the middle piece, which, if I'm going to be totally honest, I missed four years. If we miss that middle piece, if we, if we lose out on the intimacy and the, and the relationship and the abiding and the fellowship that we are to have with God himself, what good is our deliverance? What good is our redemption if we're still left wandering? What good is restored purpose if it's not connected to the one who gave us the purpose to begin with? I will say this, and, and, and if you disagree, that's absolutely fine, but, but I, would, I would say that if we don't have an understanding of reconciliation, our deliverance from sin is shallow and our restoration to purpose is hollow. And that, that's where I want to go, and I believe that's what Jesus is trying to show in John 17. However, there are passages in Scripture, this is, this is just free Bible education, um, there are passages in Scripture that help us understand each other. Uh, it's, they're often called within theological circles mirror passages, where things are stated in another way or stated from another angle that help us. It's why we have four Gospels, right? They show us different angles. They mirror one another, but they show us difference. We're going to look at a few of these mirror passage, passages today. Again, uh, we're in John 17. If you got your Bible, go to John 17, verse 1. We're going to read some out of John 17, and then we're going to back up to, a, a, to another passage in John 14. In John 17, Jesus is praying to the Father, and he makes some statements, and we're going to see how Jesus just a few uh, chapters earlier was having a conversation with his disciples and made some of those same statements. So John 17, we're going to read 1 through 8, and then 18 through 26. We're just going to be jumping all over the place. It's going to be so good. You're going to be so excited. Thanks for playing along. Let's go ahead and stand to our feet for the reading of God's word. If you got a Bible, you can go there. If you have a smart device with a Bible on it, you can go there. If not, it will be on the Sky Bible, and you can just follow along and point out all of my reading errors, just like my third grade teacher. When Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you, since you have given him authority over all flesh. How much flesh? all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this, this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything that you have given me is from you. For I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them, and have come to know in truth that I came from you. Super important, church. I came from you, and that you, and they believe that you sent me. They've come to believe in truth. I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. Now let's go ahead and jump to uh, verse 18. As you sent me into the world, so have I sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself, that they also may be sanctified in truth. Do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. Everybody say, that's me. And that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be in us, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given them. That's a good place to say amen. amen. They, that they may be one even as we are one. I in them and you in me, that, you may be, that, they, that they may be rather perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them as you have loved me. 
Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am, to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundations of the world. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you. And these know that you have sent me. I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known, that the love with which you have loved me may be in them, and I in them." Okay, now we're going to go back one page if you have one of these fancy new printed Bibles or one couple swipes over if you're digital. Let's go back to John 14. We're going to pick it up at verse 6. John 14, verse 6. Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father, and also know, sorry, if you had known me, you would have known my Father also. Yeah, I can read, I promise. (laughs) Jeez. We'll just edit this out of the, oh wait, no, it goes live. (laughs) Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would also have known my father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the father, and it is enough for us. And Jesus said, just read your Bible, and you'll know God. Go to church, serve in kids' ministry, and that'll be enough for you. You should do that, though. But, I mean, what does Jesus say? He says, and Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long, and you still don't know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me? The the words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works." Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father is me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. Truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I go to the Father. Jump down verse 16. Are you hearing echoes? Are you seeing the mirror? Verse 16. I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, you know him, for he dwells with you, catch this, come on, and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. Somebody needs to hear that this morning. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world will see me no more. But you, you will see me, because I live you also will live. In that day you will know that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I in you. You hear the mirror? Do you hear the connection? Let's pray and let's ask Holy Spirit to open our eyes, give us ears to hear, that we might receive from him. Amen? So Holy Spirit, we thank you today for the powerful, personal proclamation of your word. God, yes, we hear as a people, but we hear as a person as well. And so we pray that you speak to a people and you speak to the person. You do the miracle that you love to do in the midst of a crowd, God. In the midst of, a, in the midst of many words, you speak one word to one person. We ask for that kind of ear today, God. That kind of tuning in of the, the whisper of your voice. Let us hear your whisper in the midst of your words. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh upon us and your word today. We declare with all, with all honor and with all reverence and with all thanksgiving that we are incapable of living on the word we received last week. We're incapable of living on the word we received yesterday. And God, we declare that with glory and honor and praise and thanksgiving because you are the one who designed both us and your word to be that way. God, we rejoice over our constant, consistent dependence upon you. It is not a burden. It is not laborious. It is love, God. 
We love to be with you. We love to hear from you. We love that we need to hear from you. We love that you have made us in such a way, Abba, that nothing else will satisfy. God, thank you for leaving us unsatisfied by everything else and providing for us yourself to be our satisfaction. So we come to receive from and of you today that we might be transformed, God, that we might be undone. God, God, remove what needs to be removed. Rebuild what needs to be rebuilt. Build up anew and afresh what needs to be built up anew and afresh. We lay before you, Lord. God, we declare, have your way. Have your way. Have your way. Do what only you can do and do whatever you want to do. For your glory, for your glory, that you might be seen as glorious, for you are glorious. And that your creation might have her desire, her cry, her groan answered in seeing your sons rise in the earth today. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, come on. Would you greet somebody around you real fast and then grab a seat? Amen, amen, amen. If you are, uh, if you're taking notes this morning, um, I want to shift our focus this morning. Uh, We're going to be looking at the the truths laid out for us in John 17, but but I just want to be transparent here. I, I believe that John 14 helps us understand John 17. And the reason why I believe that is, is that, that, that come on, when, 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 when Jesus is talking to Abba, there's not a whole lot of need for explanation. Do you have anybody in your life that you're close enough with that you can have conversations where, where, where you don't have to explain a lot? They just kind of get it. They, they just sort of are there with you, right? If, if there's ever two beings, come on, one being, oh God, we're going to get in trouble with, with, with Trinitarian theology here. If there's ever two that are one that... <laughs> that need no explanation, it would be, come on, the Father and the Son. So they're having a, a casual conversation, a shorthand conversation. But in John 14, Jesus is laying out many, if not all, of the same things. But because he's speaking to Philip, he is gracious to Philip, amen? And he's explaining some of the, can I use this word, the mechanics of how this is going to take place. And, and if you're taking notes, and, and I hope you are, I want to talk to you under the title this morning, Finisher. I want us to take a fresh look at Holy Spirit. Because if we're going to understand, as, as I said before, I really believe that Jesus is trying to unpack to us the reality of what he accomplished for us in salvation. But the problem is that if we miss out, and I'm, I, I, I need you to just walk with me for a minute, if we miss out on the vital role that Holy Spirit plays in the midst of our salvation, we will constantly be struggling, wondering, and fighting for what we ought to be resting in. And the problem is that, that many of us, uh, maybe we've been raised either, here's, here's the real reality, I'm just gonna, I'm just, I, I guess I don't have time to be nice. If you were raised in a movement that, that, that embraced Holy Spirit, you have a problem. Because you were given one very narrow view of Holy Spirit, and that can lead you to think you have all of the knowledge about who he is. And might I suggest, remember I love you, that you don't know everything there is to know about God. I know Christians don't like to hear that. But I want us to take a fresh look. But see, here's the problem. If you were raised in a church that that denied the present-day active moving of the Holy Spirit, you have a problem. Because um, uh, he is. What I want you to see is both of these have put Holy Spirit in a box. 
They're different boxes. One of them has way more glitter on it. One of them's built better. <laughs> Got to pick on both sides. Um, but both of them are boxes. And what I want to try to do this morning is, is break these boxes just a little bit. So, so, so again, let me just tell you where, where, we're, where, we're, where we're starting to walk into. I believe that union is the goal of salvation. That, 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 that redemption is for it and that, that restoration is from it. But that, that, that salvation, that, that union, that our reunited state with the Lord is the goal of salvation. And what I want us to see is that Holy Spirit is the one who finishes that union with us. So before I can get to what I need to get to, I need to start here. Holy Spirit is God. Some of you thought that was a trick question. You're like, oh. no, Holy Spirit is God. I know some of us spent some time in churches that functionally, that, that, that theologically agreed with Trinitarian theology, but functionally, you, you really, your Trinity was the Father, the Son, and the Holy Bible. But the reality is, Holy Spirit is God. He is God. But here's what I need us to grasp. It's not enough to recognize him as God. It's not even enough to receive him as God. What I believe is missing is, is our ability to relate to him as God. Many of us who, who, were, who, were, who, who kind of spent some time in, in, in churches that maybe didn't believe in the current moving of the Holy Spirit in signs, wonders, and miracles, we would say, well, yeah, Holy Spirit's active, but just in a way to regenerate me, and then he just kind of takes off. but there's a camp over here that has a problem too. Many of us who are raised in churches that believed in those, in the present day moving, in signs, wonders, healings, falling over, speaking in tongues, prophecy, vision, right? All that stuff. If we're honest, we were taught that Holy Spirit was like the force. Come on. That it was like a power we could access. That it was a weapon we could hold. That it was a tool we could yield. And the problem with all of this is the word it. Holy Spirit is not an it. Holy Spirit is he. Now that I've offended all of the, the gender studies people by calling Holy Spirit a he. Oh, just wait. Buckle up, buttercup. Every time Holy Spirit is mentioned in Hebrew, it's a female word. So let's just make everybody mad. It's like, oh no. You mean God may be beyond gender? Yeah, just maybe. Since it took both of them to represent him. Okay, um, get off that soapbox before pitchforks start coming out. Um, Holy Spirit's God. We need, we need to learn not just to receive that and go, yeah, yeah, I believe. I believe Holy Spirit's God. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Sure, Trinity. I get it. Well, I even receive him as God. Sure, he's, he is God, and I, I receive that. I believe that. I recognize him as, as God. No, no, no. But do you relate to him as God, or is he just kind of like an extra side dish once in a while? Is Holy Spirit just the thing that makes worship a little better? Is he just the one that helps kind of, you know, fill in a little bit here and there? I think we need to learn to relate to him as God. He is no less God than Abba. He is no less God than Jesus. He is co-equal in glory and majesty. He has the same authority and the same sovereignty, but I fear that we can, we can recognize that, and yet still, I've been guilty of this, and I know you're way better than me, but I'm just confessing here. I can say all of that, and yet somehow I can put him at a lower value. Beloved, it ought not be so. We must settle our relational association with Holy Spirit, because according to Jesus in John 15, Holy Spirit admits you into intimacy with God. 
He says, look, Jesus tells him, look, I'm leaving. I'm going away. The disciples justifiably freak out. Like, you, you, you got to remember, at this point in the story, Jesus has a lot, the, the line of people that don't like Jesus is way longer than the line of people that like Jesus. And Jesus is the only thing standing between his disciples and the angry mob of people that don't like Jesus. These guys have sold out everything. They've abandoned their entire lives to follow this rabbi. And he's like, oh, by the way, um, I'm out. See you guys later. And they're like, uh, come again for big fudge? What? Like, no, you can't leave. He's like, oh, don't, don't worry. I won't leave you as an orphan. Same passage, we don't have time to get there. He says, it's actually for your benefit that I go away. It's better for you if I leave. Because me leaving will be Holy Spirit's uh, uh, invitation to come. He says, I'm not going to leave you. He's going to actually be the one that comes. And listen, he says, he's going to be the one that lives inside you. I can only be with you, but he's going to live in you. He grants you access to God. Here, here's, here's what I, I, I think many of us hear. Oh, Holy Spirit makes me acceptable to God. No, Holy Spirit makes you acceptable in God. You, are, you have access to be in him. That the union, that the intimacy, that the, the fellowship that is, is so close that the only word that we can find to describe this level of intimacy is in. He's in us. He dwells in us. He, he, at the time that he wrote this to them, he was dwelling with them, but he was promised to dwell in them. We must not see Holy Spirit as an optional add-on or an upgrade to our salvation, but rather as the, the vital agent of it. As a vital, as, listen, Holy Spirit is as vital to your salvation as Jesus that was really fun. I watched like a bunch of heads go. Like, what? what? Uh, I don't know about that. Holy Spirit is just as vital to your salvation as Jesus. Holy Spirit is just as vital to your salvation as Abba. All of God was personally, powerfully, passionately, actively involved in your salvation. No part of God just sort of stepped back and was like, nah, I'm good. You guys can just go take care of this. All of who God is, is at work to redeem all that you are. And we are called, this is why I say we have to learn to relate to Holy Spirit as God. We learned this last week, so I'm not going to spend a ton of time here, where, where Jesus says that, that, that the world can't receive, right, the world can't receive Holy Spirit. He says you can, and the reason why you can is because you know him. This is the same Greek word that Jesus uses in John 17 where he says knowing God is eternal life. It's gnosko. Everybody say gnosko. Sounds like an Italian chocolate dessert. It literally means to know, perceive, and be acquainted with. But what I taught you last week is that it's actually an idiom for the intimacy of a husband and a wife. It's, it's, it's an idiom for the union that God says a husband and a wife have in becoming one together. So this is the invitation for us to know Holy Spirit intimately. This is the, 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 the marital intimacy. It is the relationship you are to have with Holy Spirit as God. One that is of experiential intimacy with him, which again, we learned last week, is what it means to have eternal life. Eternal life is not when you die, you don't get to go to the bad place, you get to go to the good place. Like, I'm really, really pumped that I'll be in the non-smoking section in eternity. But that's not what eternal life is about. It's about knowing him. I, I'm, I'm going I'm to get in trouble for this, but I've been real nice. So, um, if your only desire in salvation is an avoidance of hell. I believe God in his goodness will give you that. 
but you will miss out on what salvation is actually about, which is knowing him. If you're just afraid of, of eternal punishment, you are missing out on what's actually being offered. And so Christian, beloved, if your presentation of the gospel is only about telling people turn or burn, they're missing out on hearing the truth of the gospel. Again, again, let me be super clear. Really happy about no hell. Like super excited about that. Like not denying that part of salvation. But there's so much more. It's so much better than religion ever let us hear. Well, but pastor, if they don't know, they're going to hell. No, no, stop. It is the goodness of God that leads people toward repentance. And yet every bullhorn I hear downtown just tells people they really, really suck. Which is not untrue. But I wonder if we ought to apply the, 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 the Dr. Phil analysis to that. How's it working? Newsflash, it's not, not even a little bit. Not really at all. We need to begin to present the goodness, the kindness, the mercy, the faithfulness of God to people. That's why I think some of us need to get rebaptized because I think the first time there was too much lemon juice in the water. I love you. So how does Holy Spirit do this? How does Holy Spirit bring us into union with him? How, how do we experience this intimacy through Holy Spirit? I want to say, John 14, Jesus calls him the helper. Now, before I, before I get here, we're, we're going to go, we're going to hopefully get to two layers into this. Um, and we'll, we'll walk slowly, and I need you to remember, Holy Spirit is God. Everybody say, Holy Spirit is God. Holy Spirit is God. Okay, so some of the stuff I'm going to say here in a minute, you're going to go, that sounds like heresy, until you remember that Holy Spirit is God, okay? The word that's helper here in, 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 in the Greek, in John 14, that he will send you another helper, is one of, uh, if not the most, it's, it's in the list of the most complicated Greek words to try to define. And I can prove it to you if, even if you just have a phone with a lot of Bible translations on it. Because look at that verse in a bunch of different translations and almost all of them use a different word to translate that word. Because they're trying to get, wrap their arms around it. it, it it's parakletos. It's a complicated Greek word with complicated meaning. And, and, I, and, and I, I, I love the ESV Okay, okay, we're not, we're not, don't, 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 don't yell at me, right? We, we love the ESV. It's the elect standard version. We like it, okay? We love the, but, but I, I'm going to say that helper, I, I, helper may be one of the worst ways we could translate the word. I, I like better advocate. It, it's not, it's not really perfect either, but, but let's start there. Let's start at that level because parakletos is, 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 is really culturally used, in, in the cultural understanding of the word, it was used as the one who in legal matters would be your defense attorney, your advocate. So I think it's better, it's a better place to start by saying Holy Spirit is your advocate. How, how does he bring us into union? Well, first he starts off by being our advocate. Because am I the only one that's willing to admit in church that when I hear that intimacy with the Lord is, 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 is offered unto me, I go, uh, I don't think they've read my resume. Like they must be unaware of what I have done in the last 36 hours. They must be ignorant, come on, of what goes on between my ears sometimes. They must be unaware of my reaction to someone pulling out in front of me when I'm driving down the road. Someone who has the audacity to think that driving the speed limit is appropriate when I want to go faster than that. I can't be offered intimacy with the Lord when I'm like this. And yet he offers it to us, and so Holy Spirit becomes our advocate, our parakletos, our defendant, the one who defends us. 
as your defender, I'm just going to go real quick through this, as your advocate, he advocates for you. He pleads for you. He pleads your case. He speaks on your behalf. He intercedes for you. Romans 8, 26. So let's do this quick. He advocates to you in the gospel, scripture, and through other believers of your acceptance, of your invitation, of the intimacy he is offering you. He advocates within you to convince you that you belong to him. He advocates through you by giving you the words you need to pray when you don't have them. He advocates for you in an unseen realm. He is your advocate. That's a good place to get excited. Because who is Holy Spirit? So God himself is advocating for you. He's advocating to you, within you, through you, and for you. That's good news, beloved. That's really good news. But again, this picture is insufficient for the task because it's great that he's, he's, he's arguing for me. But if I'm in court, right? This is a bad picture. There, there were no courtrooms in the Bible like we think of them today. Again, I, I just want to make sure I'm going here, okay? I, I want to make sure I'm going here. When the Bible uses the term, the, 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 the label judge, no one who originally read the scriptures would have thought of a person in a black robe with a wig and a gavel. If you want to know what a judge is according to the scriptures, there's literally a book called Judges. And none of the people there wear robes and sit behind desks. None of them, this is going to just freak somebody out, none of them make judgmental proclamations over anything. Rather, a judge from a biblical perspective calls the people of God out of sin back to God and restores to them purpose. That sounds like a savior. Okay, but, but in, in, our, in our minds, right, we are judging, new, new world idea of judging ourselves. We are pronouncing judgment upon ourselves. Can I tell you this? If there's a courtroom in your heart, God's not the one on the bench, you are. Come on, I, I have been in the, in the story of what the scriptures, what, what, the, what, what, what Bible people call the prodigal son. I hate calling it the prodigal son. It should be called the faithful father because he's the only one in the story that should be celebrated. He's the only one that should get title credit, right? He's the only one who does anything good in the story. Both sons are not so much. But in this story, the older brother is the one accusing the younger brother. And I'm here to uh, uh, tell you that in my life, I've been both the younger brother and my own older brother. I've been the one to screw up everything, to demand to have things my own way, only to find myself in a pig pen, both metaphorically and really, according to my mother when she looked at my bedroom. Um, and I've been the one accusing me of doing all that and making me feel guilty about it and making me live under shame and condemnation because of what I've done. And so as we sit Knowing that we are guilty, it's great that we have an advocate, a defense attorney that can help us win the case. But if deep down within my soul I know I'm still guilty, that, 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 that pronouncement of innocence doesn't really help me want to go run back up to Abba and snuggle. And yet I'm called to have that kind of intimacy. And yet I've been welcomed into his presence, yet I've been called to be with him. Yet that, I said from the beginning of the message, union is the goal of salvation. So it's great and good and all that he wins my court case for me, but, but maybe I just got off on a technicality. Here's the amazing news about this. Holy Spirit is not just our advocate. This word here has a far deeper meaning. And I need to say it one more time, one more time. Who is Holy Spirit? God. Okay? Uh, we're we're going we're gonna to go to the Passion. Uh, we're we're going to go to the Passion translation and look at John 14, verses 16 and 17 in the Passion. I think, I think Dr. Simmons helps us here more than we could possibly know. I will ask the Father, Jesus speaking here, and he will give you another savior. 
I will ask the Father and he will give you another Savior, the Holy Spirit of truth, who will be to you a friend just like me. And he will never leave you. The world won't receive him because they can't see him or know him. But you, you will know him intimately because he will make his home in you and will live inside you. So that means that Holy Spirit is our acceptance. Holy Spirit is our advocate, but Holy Spirit is also to us another savior. Now, a bunch of y'all are squirming. This is awesome. You're like, uh, I thought Jesus, it was, I only need Jesus. I'm good. I just, just give me Jesus. I just, just give me Jesus. I just only need him. I thought that was what I thought was. Well, he's a heretic, except who's Holy Spirit? Who's Holy Spirit? So is it heresy to say Holy Spirit is your savior? But are you going to be honest and say you've ever thought of Holy Spirit as your savior? I hadn't. He's like, he's the guy that makes church better. He's the guy that makes me weird when I'm around people who don't like him. Holy Spirit is another savior. Am I saying that Holy Spirit is another savior because Jesus is insufficient? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. I am not saying that he is insufficient at all, but rather that all of God is personally, presently, powerfully active in your salvation. Without Abba, Jesus would have never been sent. Can we all agree on that? The Father sent me, Jesus says. If Jesus had not come, if Jesus had not accomplished what he needed to accomplish and was called to accomplish and left, Holy Spirit would not have come. All of God is active in this. What I'm saying is this. Holy Spirit is another Savior. By another, here's, here's, here's the way I think Jesus is trying to get this across. Holy Spirit applies all that Jesus supplies. Holy Spirit applies. He applies to my life experience all that Jesus supplies by his finished and final work. Holy Spirit accomplishes this on my behalf. In the same, listen, in the same way that Jesus accomplishes it on my behalf, Holy Spirit accomplishes it on my behalf. I don't have to earn, fight, merit, achieve, attain level 3,000 to get Holy Spirit. Rather, he is given to me and gives to me all that is supplied by Jesus. He applies to me by grace through faith, just like Jesus. And many of us have been taught to accept Jesus as our Savior. But I'm going to be honest. I was never told to receive Holy Spirit as my Savior. I was told to receive Holy Spirit as my empowerment. And, and come on, come on, come on. I'm super, super happy Holy Spirit empowers my life. But I never was told, hey, have you accepted the Holy Spirit as your Lord and Savior? Some of y'all, that sounds weird to you. You're like, uh. But who is Holy Spirit? Who is Holy Spirit? Is it heresy to say you need to accept God as your Savior? So why do we squirm? Why do we wiggle? Holy Spirit applies all that Jesus Supplies. Can I can I take it one can I take it one level deeper? Dr. Simmons helps us in this. One of the things that I like, just, just to be clear, uh, the Passion is a paraphrase of the scripture. I know it's called the Passion Translation. A translation is where you go word for word through an original text, either Greek or Hebrew, and you word for word do your best to try to translate that or thought for thought try to do that. A paraphrase is where you allow yourself to try to understand the meanings of the words and convey it from a specific place for, for a specific purpose. And the Passion Translation uh, is upfront with what it's trying to convey. There you go. Passion, right? It's trying to get the emotion of the text across so that we don't, we don't approach it so rigidly. But on top of that, the reason why I like it 
is Dr. Simmons knows Greek and Hebrew and Aramaic very, 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 very well. And I love the fact, I just gotta talk about this because every time I use it, I end up getting an email. Uh, I, I love the fact that people get upset because they go, well, it's just one guy making the translation. But none of my Reformed friends have any problem with Luther's translation that he did by himself. Um, I'm not saying, I'm just saying. But one of the reasons I love it, I love, I love that, I love his goal of, of trying to get the passion across, but actually what I like a lot, if you've ever had a, uh, if you buy one of the physical copies, uh, which the version twos, the, I think the 2020 edition, finally they didn't print them on a garbage version of the Bible. Uh, the early, the first editions of these are just terrible printings, and I like nice Bibles, so I was happy that they made it nicer. Um, but one of the things you'll notice is, is Dr. Simmons gives you his translation notes at the bottom. This isn't a study Bible down here. This is explaining to you why he chose to translate things the way he chose to translate them. And, and so we can get a picture, we can get a glimpse into this here by, by looking at this. So I'm going I'm to throw the, his translation notes as to why he chose another Savior. It says the Greek word used here is parakletos. Various translations have rendered this counselor, comforter, advocate, encourager, intercessor, or helper. However, none of these words alone are adequate and fall short in explaining the full meaning. The translator here has chosen the word savior, for it depicts the role of the Holy Spirit to protect defend and save us from ourself and our enemies and keep us whole and healed. He is the one who guides and defends, comforts and consoles. How many people want to say that's good? That, that's, 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 but, but it's just one guy. Yeah, I know. It's just one guy's opinion. It's all right. Calm down. But there's a deeper level here that I want to try to get to. Keep in mind, this is, this conti- this is continuing Dr. Simmons' notes here. Says, keep in mind that the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Christ, our Savior. The Aramaic word parakleta, which is taken from the two from two root words, para to end, finish, or to save, and leta, which means the curse. What a beautiful word picture! The Holy Spirit comes to end the work of the curse of sin in our lives and to save us from its every effort. Parakleta means a redeemer who ends the curse. Holy Spirit's another savior. Holy Spirit's another savior. And I think until we learn to relate to him as such, we will be deficient in our experience of our salvation, because as I said before, Holy Spirit applies what Jesus has supplied. And many of us, we see, we hear, we, we have this robust understanding even of what salvation is, and we go, great, okay, it's redemption, it's reconciliation, it's restoration, all right, I want all of that, but we're striving to try to get it. We're working to try to achieve it. We're forcing ourselves and doing this and doing that and not doing this and not doing that. Come on, it's a whole lot, come on, come on, come on, Christian. It's a whole lot more not doing than it is doing. The list of what I'm not allowed to do seems far longer than the list of what I am allowed to do. Oh, none of y'all, you are, you just hush. (laughs) Don't yell at me when I'm preaching this good. You know it's true. We've, We've filled whole youth camps up with nothing but just lists of what you were not supposed to do. And yet Jesus comes and seems to be getting in trouble for telling people all that they are allowed to do. And setting people free. I want to get, I want to get, we'll do this next week. I want to get us to the place where you understand that, 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 that one of the primary things that Holy Spirit does in ending the curse is bringing us into an experiential reality of our union with the Lord. I want to show you how he really does do away with the feelings of orphanhood that I believe, listen, lead to all of the sin that's in our lives. Because as long as you don't know that you have a father who provides all that you need, you'll think you have to go out and find all that you need somewhere else. And you'll let the world tell you what you need, and you'll let 
stupid companies tell you what you need, and you'll let your parents tell you what you need. Here's, okay, okay, everyone's like, yeah, 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 tell this one. You'll let yourself tell you what you need, and you're too dumb to find your keys in the morning. I wandered around, this true story, I wandered around a parking lot because I couldn't remember where I parked. I wandered for like five minutes, only to realize I had walked by my car right when I left the grocery store. I was parked in the front row, and I was like, where'd I park? <laughs> Wandering around. Praying in tongues. Nope, dummy, it's right back there. Come on, I'm just, I just want to tell you, some of the biggest bondage that I ever got in, I got myself in. Maybe this isn't true for you, it is, but maybe I'll say it's not so that you'll, you'll receive this. I know that people have disappointed you and hurt you. I don't have to be a prophet to know that. But here's also what I know. No one has disappointed or hurt you more than you have disappointed and hurt you. And that there would be a, a movement within the church, would there would be anybody within the family of God that would, would stop for a minute and think, yeah, I can decide for myself who I am. No, you can't. That's not a burden you are called to bear. Run to your Abba and he will tell you who you are. It's not what the world's told you. It's not what you've told yourself. It's not, what you're, it's not even what your behaviors and desires have told you. These things are all lies. The deception and the delusion of our depravity blind us to the sweet picture, the beauty of who he is. And they make us deaf to the whisper of his ear. Let's stand to our feet. I, I got a lot more I wanted to cover this morning, but I think this is where we're supposed to end. I, I just, I really feel like we need to take some time this morning to respond and just, here's my challenge. Will you open your heart to God, Holy Spirit? Some of you, that freaks you out because you, you were raised in churches that like, you were taught all the negative, bad stuff about Holy Spirit and how it's weird, how it's a heresy. How, hey, who is Holy Spirit? God. Come on, all, let, me, let me be clear on this. All Christians agree on that. All Christians agree. Even the frozen chosen Christians. Can I get an amen? <laughs> None of them said amen, by the way. Can I just can I can I ask a question that that I was never asked that I have never asked have you accepted the holy spirit as your lord and savior have you accepted not 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 do you not do you realize that he is not even do you receive him but will you relate to him as your personal indwelling savior Will you allow him to take up residence, not with you, but in you? Come on, he will make his home in you. God himself wants to make you his home. Not his lake cabin that he visits once in a while. When the white witch is defeated and winter ends but his home, his permanent residence. It's you. It's why the scriptures literally call you the temple of God. You are where God abides and rests. Will you open yourself to that? Not just realize or receive the reality of him being God, but relate to him as God. Didn't say this before, it came to me, and I filtered it out, but I'm not going to now. Okay, we've all been saying, Holy Spirit is? Some of you, I think, are finally getting comfortable with that. So let me make you uncomfortable again. God is Holy Spirit. That one lands a little different, doesn't it? 
It's like, ooh, what? Are we willing as a people? I'm talking to Sozo right now. If you're a guest, love you. Welcome to eavesdrop in. But I'm talking to us. As the pastor of this house, I'm asking us, are we willing to open up our hearts and say, Holy Spirit, you're God. You're, God. you're not just God with us, you're God in us. And we want to start relating to you as God, as an ever-present, never-leaving, always-present Savior, finishing the curse of sin in my life. If there are unfinished, come on, I'm talking to somebody. If there are unfinished residues of the curse of sin in your life still, if there's still evidence of those things, the one to finish that according to the scriptures is Holy Spirit. Not you, not you. Your self-discipline only leads to self-righteousness, which only produces shame. Because self-righteousness in all reality is false righteousness. It is not your job to finish the curse any more than it's your job to climb up on a cross and be crucified. Will you open your heart and receive another savior? Will you allow the one to finish the curse to step into your life and begin to undo and unravel and expose and get rid of all that is still remaining within you as it relates to deception and delusion and depravity. Because Holy Spirit's the one that's gonna apply. Again, none of this has to be acquired. He applies what has already been supplied. You already have this. It's just not being applied. Because we have, we have partitioned ourselves off, maybe for fear of what Holy Spirit's going to do. Can I, can, I, can, I, can I talk to that person real fast? You're afraid of what Holy Spirit's going to do? Okay, you know that, the thing you're afraid of? You ready? Yup. He's going to do that. You mean he's going to take over? Yeah. You mean he's going to make me do weird stuff? Yeah. Here's, here's, here's where it gets worse, friend. I was so scared of this stuff. I don't want anything to do with it. Not only, I'm just, I'm just can I testify? Can I testify? Not only did he make me do it, I found out I liked it. So you're not only going to be one of those weirdos, but you're going to like enjoy being one of those weirdos. You will know he won't make me do that because he respects me. No, he doesn't. God, the Holy Spirit's a respecter of persons. Show me that in the book. I'm really, I think Paul was really glad that the Holy Spirit was a respecter of his person when he knocked him off his ass. That's the Bible. That's what the Bible says. I'm just quoting the Bible. Thought y'all liked the King James. Um, <laughs> knocks him down, makes him blind. He would never change him though. Oh wait, he used to be called Saul. Named after great leader of the people of God and instead he's named Paul, a little one. Yeah, he'll change everything. That thing you're afraid of, it very well might happen. And I refuse to stand up here and tell you and try to sell you on Holy Spirit. Instead, I'd rather just tell you what he's gonna do. He's gonna wreck everything you built and set you free from the bondage of the curse. I believe Holy Spirit is here this morning. And he wants to be your covering. He's not here to expose you. He's here to expel all that is trying to keep you from all that he has for you. He wants to remove the shame of self-effort really feel like there's, there's, there are people here this morning, you are, this is the word I keep hearing, you are growing weary in well-doing. Maybe you've, maybe you've got a, 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 a promise that you're believing for, I don't know. 
Maybe you've got a sin pattern in your life, a habit, an addiction, a behavior, something in your life you're trying to get freedom from. And here's what the Lord is showing me. You're trying to fulfill the promise. You're trying to achieve the freedom. And Holy Spirit is here and saying, you're doing well, but you're growing weary because he never intended you to do that. He intended you to receive that. He's here to finish the curse. He's here to fulfill the promise. He's here to set you free. He's here to remove not just the desire, but the thing that's beneath the desire, the root that's down deep. And for some of you, he's going to show you what that is, but here's how good God is. He doesn't even have to show you what it is. He'll undo it, and you'll be completely unaware of what it was. He'll pull it out by the root, and it'll just be gone. Will you open your heart to Holy Spirit this morning and let him finish, let him finish the curse? It's who he is. Beloved, it's who he is. And so if, you're, if you're here and you're hearing all this and you would go, hey, I don't, I don't even know anything about how do, how do I receive that? How do I do that? How, how, do, I, how do I accomplish all this? How, 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 how? Listen, you don't have to accomplish anything. You simply have to receive it. And the way the scriptures tell us we receive this is through repentance and faith. We admit and we abandon. We admit that, you know what? I suck at ending the curse. I just make it worse. And we abandon our efforts. We admit that we've filled our lives full of a bunch of junk, trying to gain satisfaction, trying to figure out who we are, trying to know our, our place, trying to know our identity, trying to find safety and satisfaction, trying to fill our life with joy. And we admit that all of those things have failed and we abandon them. We throw them away. And then we embrace and entrust Jesus for all that we need and all that we are and all that we have. We look to him. So I'm gonna pray and we're gonna respond. We're gonna respond through celebration, contemplation, communion. We're gonna sing, we're gonna worship, we're gonna celebrate the goodness of our God who is our savior in all that he is. We're gonna take some time for contemplation. We're gonna take some time to listen for the whisper of Holy Spirit as we open our hearts to receive him fresh and new. And we're going to partake in communion. We're going to go to the Lord's table and remember the broken body and the shed blood, that which is supplied. And in this moment, I need you to grasp this, please. In this moment, we are coming to a place where what is supplied is laid before us. But do not mistake this moment for just some religious act. Holy Spirit is here to take and apply what is being supplied. I reject, I'll just be, I'm put my cards on the table. I reject fully the evangelical perspective that communion is just a, a, a memorial act that we do. No, no, no. This is a supernatural act that we do. Holy Spirit meets us in this place. Well, it's just bread and juice. Sure. And this is just a building. No. There is something beyond natural that takes place in this moment. So as we come and we partake, Let's remember Holy Spirit's activity. The other way that we commune is one with another. We have a ministry team that'll meet you over at the cross. If you, if you want to respond to any of what I've spoken this morning, if you, if you feel like you need to, to, to go to somebody and, and, and let them pray for you, I want to encourage you in that. Maybe you are standing for that promise. Maybe you are looking for that, for that, for that freedom. And, and you just need to go to somebody and say, hey, will you pray with me to receive, come on, to receive him as the one who finishes the curse, who ends all of this, who fulfills every promise, who restores everything, who applies what has been supplied. They would love to pray with you. I'm going to pray and we're going to respond. Holy Spirit, we thank you for being God. We receive you so that we can relate to you as God. Do what only you can do. Finish the curse. Bring to end. God, I pray for those that are weary in well-doing. They're doing, what they're doing is good, and they're, they're fighting their addiction, and they're, they're standing on the promise. But God, you are here not just to strengthen them, but to fulfill all that you have promised, to apply all that has been supplied. 
So we declare that this is the day that the Lord has made. We choose to rejoice. We choose to be glad in it. This is the day that the Lord has made, and today, your word says, is the day of salvation. So we receive your saving work today. We choose to celebrate the fulfillment of your promise. Whether we see it manifest today or not, we're going to worship and celebrate like it has been fulfilled because it has been fulfilled, whether we've seen it or not. The prodigal has come home. The sickness is gone. The addiction is overcome. The behavior is done away with. The relationship is brought back and made right. The money, come on, is in the bank. Why'd that get a bigger amen? God, we worship you. We adore you. Because you, with you, it is as good as done. You do not know how to write bad checks. So we are receiving what we used to think we had to achieve. We rest in you. We throw up our hands. We tap out. We surrender to you. Holy Spirit, be the one that is our advocate, yes. Be the one that is another savior. End the curse. Not just for us, but within us. In Jesus' name. Come on, church. Let's respond to the Lord.